From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Today, we're learning from our esteemed veteran registered investment advisor, Adam Morse, and our human economic database and fearless CIO, Michael French. And today, we're talking about how to get tax-free income in retirement. Michael and Adam discuss the various ways that retirees can maximize their income in retirement by paying just a little bit less to Uncle Sam. It's a good topic for whoever, whether you're retired or thinking about retirement, what things can you start thinking about now that will help you avoid unnecessary taxes in retirement? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much every single week for listening to our podcast, Keep It Simple. Please offer any corrections. We appreciate those who have been sending those in and any episode suggestions that you would like to hear to fiduciary financial advisors discuss anything that could help you at all. Send us an email at podcast at assetbuilder.com. All right, without further ado, let's get to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Adam? <laughs> also well. How, how, was your, how, was your, how was your workout today? What'd you work it on today? It was great. It was very nice. Very nice. Trying to, uh, you know, drop a couple uh, excess pounds. So I heard you were supposed to uh, swim today. Did you swim? No, I, uh, I, I think I've just kind of accepted the fact that swimming is not going to be on the list of acceptable workouts for me. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't necessarily have the build to be swimming efficiently. I kind of drag <laughs> through the water. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's really brutal. Do you have a, an aerobic workout of choice? What's your favorite? Uh, so I like to just kind of do as much, like I want to get as much benefit in when it comes to like cardio type stuff in as short amount of time as possible. Cause I hate it so much. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm never going to like go for a four mile run that takes way too long. And I've, I've learned some things from Michael, like kind of the circuits, you know, like three rounds of something in five minutes, you know, and I'm done. So it's really, it's really brutal while you're doing it, but it doesn't last very long. I, I kind of go that route. Gotcha. Man, so we yeah, never had- it was good. Cleared out the mind. So I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to talk about some some fun retirement topics. <laughs> we never have a good segue into what we're talking about. <laughs> we <laughs> never do. Hey, you we know what? Do. That's you, Jared. Lots You're the host. I, I know. Okay, let's just get into it, guys. Yeah, let's dive in. Right. No pun so intended. Ta- See what I did there? That's a segue for you. That's a segue. Hey, are you are you pining for my job right now, Adam? <laughs> uh All right. So I'm titling today's episode, How to Get Tax-Free Income in Retirement. Is that an appropriate title, Michael? Do you think that works? I think that would work. So we're talking about retirement um, and we're talking about how to get tax-free income in retirement. Now, Michael, why is this important? Why are we talking about this today? I think uh, the general principle of how you generate income in retirement, sometimes people forget uh, that you don't actually, if you need $100, you don't go out and just sell uh, or, or don't just go to the bank and take out $100. Generally, what's happening in retirement is you're selling a security, uh, which is going to result in you having to pay a tax. And so um, the cost of the, the cost of that sell, what, how much of something you have to sell is directly correlated to the tax rate that you're going to have to pay. So if you can get $100 tax-free, you're only going to have to take out 
$100. Uh, that means that if you have something that you can sell and the price of every stock is $100, you would have to sell one share and you'd have all your other shares remaining. But if you have a 10% tax rate, you would have to sell $111 worth of stock so that you can pay the tax so that you can have the $100 left over. Um, and so when you think about it, when you do that uh, math, now you've had to sell a share, uh, which was $100 per share, plus a tenth of another share, a little bit more than that. So you've, you've had to part with more of your earnings um, to pay taxes. So everybody should have a goal of generating income and maintaining their standard of living at the lowest possible tax rate. Right. So today we're talking about ways to lower those taxes, uh, a few ways to lower those taxes overall. That, would that That's be fair? correct. Yeah. Now, Adam, should we just be cramming everything into an IRA? Uh, yes and no, uh, depending on what kind of IRA we're talking about. So, I mean, this is the Keep It Simple podcast. So <laughs> the simplest, you know, kind of advice I could give everyone listening is Roth IRAs or Roth contributions in general, whether it's a Roth IRA, if your employer allows for Roth contributions to your 401k, um, as much money as you can get into Roth IRAs as possible is extremely beneficial and extremely valuable. Now, mm -hmm. I would caveat this. If you're already retired, the later you, you, you wait to kind of convert funds into retirement or put money into retirement – the less overall benefit you're going to realize from that contribution. So the earlier on you can do this, whether you're working or even if you're still early on in retirement, depending on your life expectancy and your health, that Roth contribution is going to be extremely valuable. So just to kind of back up, uh, for those that don't know, the reason a Roth IRA is so valuable is because when you uh, contribute funds into a Roth, that money that you put in, now it is capped, right? You can't put in more than either six thousand or seven thousand, depending on your age, for a given year. That money, though, is not deductible from your income for that year. So if you're fifty in twenty twenty one and you put five thousand dollars into a Roth IRA in twenty twenty one, you do not get to deduct five thousand dollars from your income for this year. That is opposed to a rollover IRA or traditional IRA, in which you would get to deduct that $5,000 from your income. The benefit though, is that $5,000 now gets to grow from age 50 to age, you know, X, whenever you decide to pull that money out and it gets to not only grow tax-free, but then you get to distribute from that Roth IRA tax-free. In other words, we're talking about tax-free income that Roth will provide tax-free income. So to answer your question, if we're talking about a Roth IRA, I would say yes. Take advantage of all the, the the different ways you can get funds into a Roth IRA as you possibly can, because it's going to be impossible to over-contribute, right? The IRS has limits on how much you can get in, so you're never going to over-contribute. But the thing I see the most often that I think people kind of have this um, predisposition to believe is that I need everything in, a, in an IRA, whether that's a rollover IRA, whether that's my 401k, and they come to us when they retire, when they leave their job. And all they have really is their 401k or their, their IRA. And the only issue with that is that in retirement, again, not knowing what the future holds when it comes to tax rates, 
right? We, we see a lot of uncertainty right now with the change in administration, what that's going to do to, to income rates, how Social Security will be taxed, even how capital gains rates will be taxed. But there's a lot of uncertainty. So we don't know what the future holds. And so if you only have that rolled over 401k, as an advisor, I have no, no options. I have no levers I can pull to modulate your, your income tax rate, right? I only have that one kind of bucket to dip into, and it's all going to be taxed at your income tax rate. So that assumption is faulty. Don't run from brokerage accounts. Don't run from some kind of diversifying account types, right? It's good to have rollovers. It's good to have traditional stuff. But it is also very valuable in retirement to have some after-tax money in a taxable account, joint tenant account, trust, whatever it is, so that as an advisor, you know, we have the ability to modulate your tax rate from year to year based on what your income looks like. So a lot of this should certainly be planned and thought about well before retirement. Would you say that's true, Michael, that we need to be thinking about this long before we actually get into retirement, what future tax taxes will be? Well, and, and here's the here's the thing. Uh, tax rates are going to change. And so right. I think Adam's point um, is a good one. We can't we can't know what the future holds. But what we do know is that the more places you have money to pull from, uh, the better off your opportunity set, or the, the, the the larger your opportunity set, you will have more choices to make, more levers to pull. And so the example I always use is if you get up in the morning, and if you're a type of person who gets up in the morning and just takes cold showers to blast yourself awake, then this won't make any sense to you. But to the rest of us, if you get up in the morning and you walked into your your shower and there's one knob or a button and you just have to push the button, and whatever comes out, whatever temperature, whatever volume, whatever, you know, spray shower head type it is, wherever the water comes from, that's all you have. One button. That's that's what a lot of people are setting themselves up for in Adam's scenario when he said they're just going to have their 401k because you're going to have Social Security and then that's going to provide you with with some money and then. Everything else is just, well, I'm going to take from my IRA or from my 401k that's rolled over into an IRA. And so whatever uh, tax rate is applicable, uh, if you need the money, you're going to have to pay that tax. Now, conversely, if you've ever walked into one of those showers where you have 13 knobs and buttons and you can push and you can have a massage in the shower. You know, I mean, you don't even have to clean yourself. I think it just does it for you. There's a, there's a, a rainforest shower head. There's a handheld, there's water coming from the floor. At some point you can probably have too many knobs in a shower. I was in one, one time that I felt that way about it, but it, it it's the point is, Hey, if I can modulate, the water pressure, if I can modulate the temperature, if I can make adjustments to these different things, I'm going to have a better experience. And by the same token, let's say that the government uh, changed its policy and said, well, you know, we're going to tax 401ks, um, IRA distributions. We're going to tax those at a higher rate because really those have only been available to a certain segment of society. And um, some people have been 
uh, disadvantaged by not having access to those things. So we're going to not tax social security distributions at all, but we're going to significantly increase how we uh, treat IRA distributions. It's not mm -hmm. a, it's not a far-fetched thought. I mean, you know, you can imagine that they would say that that a government would say, "Hey, this is a, a way that we're going to." Uh, address some inequalities in, in our society. And so if you only have a 401k to pull from or an IRA to pull from, well, what can you do about it? Uh, conversely, if, if the government said, well, we're going to tax uh, all capital gains uh, for anybody who uh, sells more than X amount of stock, $50,000 worth of stock, we're going to make the capital gains uh, tax uh, 40%, which is astronomically high, but um, you would have, if you only had a taxable account, if you didn't have an IRA, you would have no options. If you needed the money, you'd have to sell some stock and you'd have to also sell enough to, to pay for that capital gains tax that you're going to have to uh, pay. And so mm -hmm. having as many options as possible uh, in the end is going to be a good thing. But that money gets there by you preparing while you're working for eventualities that you don't know. So it's kind of, you know, you put gas in the gas tank, but then you also have a, a spare can that you're taking along, and then you have a battery-operated vehicle. You want to have as many power sources as you can because you don't know what's going on 50 miles down the road. Yeah, would you say that like just as diversifying your portfolio is hedging risk, diversifying this in this sense is kind of hedging potential taxes? Yeah. yeah, so we have a thing that we talk to people about. It's called tax and policy risk. And tax and policy risk is simply the risk that we don't know what mm -hmm. future government actions might be. And, and there's no way to uh, predict those things. Really, I mean, you can look historically what other countries have done, for instance, when they've had our uh, debt, uh, debt to GDP, and, and you, could, you could make some guesses about what our next steps are going to be um, and invest accordingly, but you don't know for sure. And so one of the ways to mitigate that risk is to have your money um, distributed across different tax structures. So one of those vehicles is is a Roth IRA, and we talked about its benefits. And just one benefit I don't think I don't know if it was mentioned um, is that there's no minimum required distribution. Is that correct? RMD, right? So one of the things that Adam said that was really good was you can take that money out uh, whenever, and the whenever is really uh, you know after a certain age. It's not it's not earlier, but you never have to take that money out. So whereas um, RMDs require that you begin withdrawing money from your IRA. That isn't true for a Roth. Uh, you're allowed to uh, keep that money, and if you don't need it until you're 85, then it continues to grow uh, until age 85. So one of the other vehicles that has uh, no RMDs is what's called a health savings account distributions. Adam, talk, talk more about that. Yeah, so HSAs are uh, health savings accounts, and they're a really valuable option uh, for a lot of individuals. Uh, we actually recently talked about 529s on an episode, 
Um, and HSAs are similar to 529s in that the contributions you put into, the money you put into a health savings account are deductible. So you don't have to pay taxes on that money going into the account. And that money grows while it's in the account tax-free. And then when the money comes out, as long as you're using those distributions for qualified medical expenses, you also do not have to pay taxes on the distributions. So it's one of those rare kind of triple tax benefits. Now, I, I would caveat by saying these accounts have a lot of rules and uh, regulations associated with them. So, you know, it's based on your individual situation. And I would recommend that anyone, you know, interested in HSA, talk to your advisor, talk to us, ask someone a question, ask an expert, uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, you can get tripped up pretty quickly using an HSA. But assuming that everything you do falls within those, those lines and the rules, um, they're really, really valuable. Uh, because obviously, we know in retirement, you know, if you look at the different types of expenses that you have, Mm -hmm. Well, healthcare expenses are mm -hmm. a very unique expense stream. We could take all up, so just talk about healthcare and retirement, but especially later on in life, those expenses tend to spike pretty heavily and, and far outpace inflation. So um, for, for that situation, specifically HSAs can be a really valuable uh, resource for tax-free income. So the point of an HSA is to, in essence, prepare for future medical expenses in order to have, you know, still a lot of income to, I'm saying it very clumsily, but it's basically to take care of future medical expenses. Yeah, exactly. It's basically a way to, you know, just like you would, um, you know, if anyone's familiar with the envelope method, right? Um, Dave Ramsey talks a lot about the envelope method, just kind of bucketing different, different, uh, uh, bucketing your money for different uh, expenses that you have each month, whether it's utilities, food, whatever. Same, same concept here, just that it comes with significant tax benefits. Uh, right. So if you have access to that, and I know a lot of employers offer that as part of uh, employee benefits, take advantage of it. I, I'm telling you, it's a very powerful tool because of that triple tax benefit. Now, Michael, a home purchase is many people's largest investment. Is there any way to make that an investment, uh, that investment produce income? There is. Um, there's a couple of things. One uh, to consider is, Ken, uh, a couple of months ago now, maybe, maybe it's a couple of weeks ago, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, we've talked about uh, right-sizing your life, which can involve downsizing. Um, and, and one of the things is that you can simply sell your primary residence. And um, if you live in a marketplace right now where you look around and, and housing prices are uh, going up 10 to 20% in a year, it may be something you want to consider. Uh, when you sell your house, uh, if you've owned the house and there's, there's, there's restrictions, you can't just flip a house, but if you buy a house and you've lived there, uh, you've, you've owned it for five years and you've lived in it, um, two of those five years uh, as your main residence, then you can sell that, that home. And if you were a couple that was filing uh, jointly, you'd have half a million dollars that you could exclude uh, from income. So uh, if you bought a house, you know, for, for a lot of people as they retire, as they age, you bought a house years ago that was a little bit outside of the downtown area. It was considered the suburbs. And now you have a bunch of hipsters that want to move into that <laughs> neighborhood. They all work at Google and they make half a million dollars a year. 
And so the home that you paid $160,000 for is now worth, you know, $760,000. It's been a home for 20 years, but you look around and you think, well, do we really want to live here? Uh, Or would we like to sell it? Well, if you want to sell it and you walk away with $600,000 between the two of you, uh, you can exclude uh, 500,000 of that from from capital gains. And so it's just a way of basically saying, well, uh, we we now have that money uh, and we earned that tax free. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I think it'd be helpful for listeners for you to expand a little bit. So I think the next question would be, well, so the, the proceeds from the sale of the home are tax free. Right. But is the income produced from that, from the proceeds, you know, is there a way to get that money tax free or do I kind of have to look at other resources at that point? Yeah. And and that money, I mean, you know, unless you invest in municipal bonds, unless you then begin investing it in something that is tax free, um, you, you would owe taxes on it. Um, So one of the things that uh, Adam said earlier is, you know, talking about Roth distributions, qualified uh, distributions. You can't, for instance, take that money, put it into a Roth, and then start withdrawing immediately. It would have to sit there for five years. And so you you do collect the money and you don't pay the capital gains on that initial sale, but then the proceeds, so what that generates, um, you'll, you'll pay taxes on that uh, like you would anything else. Now, another avenue, Michael, that you that you've talked about before is exploring the idea of a reverse mortgage. Yeah, a reverse mortgage is is essentially for qualified homeowner who's 62 years of age. Um, you again, let's say that you've got a ton of equity in your home. Um, you're simply taking out a reverse loan, and so whether you take that money as a lump sum, whether it's monthly payments, uh, whether it stays with the lender as a line of credit, um, you continue to live in the home. There are rules around uh, maintaining the home, uh, so taking care of repairs, Mm -hmm. maintenance. Um, You're responsible still now for insurance and property taxes. If you paid off your home and dropped your insurance, you'll have to pick that back up. Um, And and, and so essentially, it's a loan that's made to you against the equity of the home, and uh, the loan has to be repaid. And so you may take that money and live off it, and then once you pass, uh, your estate would be responsible for paying that loan back. The, the, the usual way that that would be done is the home is sold by your estate, and your heirs pay off the loan, and then whatever you know, extra money is left, goes into the estate, split however you've determined between your heirs. Uh, The benefit of that is it is explicitly, we've got some notes that I know that we're going to add, you know, IRS links to the IRS. um, Mm -hmm. But but this is explicitly not income. Uh, The the IRS is saying, yeah, this is this is not income. This is a loan that's being made to you. And so Right. Uh, I think people live with this fear of, well, if I do that, will I be kicked out of my home? What if, you know, I die? Does my spouse get to stay in my home? There are a lot of rules around how that works. And so you need to be careful. Don't just rush out and, and do it. But um, be careful, be thoughtful. But it may be an appropriate option for people. 
Now, reverse mortgages, just like other loans, accrue, uh, don't they accrue interest and fees and other things like that? It is there a balance between how much taxes you're saving and you know how much you're having to pay back in the end that that one has to consider, Michael? Sure. Uh, I think again, it's not it's not something that you would say. Oh, this is a this is a great deal for everybody. Um, this is more of a hey, is there a way to generate tax free income? So I think there's this view that people have that may early on have been true, where there were predatory predatory lenders out there, uh, you know, and they would give you essentially twenty thousand dollars and then walk away with your home. Um, it's really not the case anymore, um, mm-hmm. but it is fair to say it is fair to say that yes, there's a rate associated with that. These aren't charities that are that are giving you the money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it's something that you are going to have to pay back, or you or your your estate is going to have to pay back with interest. And so yes, that's true. So it's a good avenue for some, maybe if you're. I don't want to say desperate, but really, really need retirement income. It might be a good option. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, I think there's a lot of rules around this, so I don't want to just say this is what the this is what the answer is. But right, right. Again, if you if you think about a world where you could open up a line of credit, or if you could take advantage of low rates today, if it worked in your favor, then. It, it may be an option that you look at and you say, yeah, this is appropriate for me. It's also something that I think people who at the end of their lives require custodial care or home health care. Um, maybe you don't have long-term care insurance. You don't have uh, your own financial assets uh, to pay for that kind of care. Um, it's something to consider. And so it's it's maybe not the best option, but it is an option that that exists. Well, and it is unique in that it's it's less disruptive. Right. I mean, I know a lot of times when you're 78, 79, 80, the last thing you want to do is sell the home you've been in for 30 years and move, even if it is going to result in, you know, two, three hundred thousand dollars in assets that you can live off of. That's very disruptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, reverse mortgage allows you to age in place, not have to you know, load up everything you own and find a new residence. Uh, so if the numbers work, which, again, we're stressing, make sure the numbers work, make sure that you're doing your research. And your due diligence, but if they do work, it's just a unique uh, avenue that you know has that added benefit to it. Now, the final thing, Adam, that we want to talk about is municipal bonds. I'm not really sure how to frame the question other than how does municipal bonds play into what we're talking about today? Yeah, so I mean, municipal bonds obviously along the track of what are all the ways we can we can generate tax free income. Right. Municipal bonds are one of the the oldest and and, uh, longest lasting avenues of tax-free income. Obviously, the notion is you invest in a municipal bond. The coupon interest provided out of that bond is not taxed. Now, uh, I I will say that uh, you should, again, like we say with everything, I I know we sound like a broken record, but there's a lot of municipal bonds out there that are not all created equal. So Mm -hmm. make sure you're, you're, if you're not working with an advisor, make sure you spend time before investing uh, researching the bonds, looking at the, the credit rating, the risk rating, making sure that it makes sense for you. Uh, but it can be a really helpful way to you know, provide a consistent and steady predictable income stream that is tax-free. Um, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of interesting things you can do. We talk about this a lot internally, uh, but duration matching for retirees. So looking at 
you know, especially over shorter and intermediate time frames, say five, 10 years, if we kind of have a really good feel for what your expenses are going to be and what those are going to look like over the, the near term, you can do a lot of good things with bonds where you ladder them, right? Which mm -hmm. probably should be done with the help of an advisor um, or a, a certified financial planner. But you can go out and buy, let's say, a one-year, two-year, three-year, four-year, five-year bond that mature in the exact amounts that you need them. So that it kind of protects you. Not only does it provide tax-free income, but it does also protect you in the short term from market volatility, right? Because you can hold those instruments mm -hmm. until maturity. And so I don't, I don't necessarily care about the price fluctuating, which is what market volatility is. I just know that that income that I need to cover my expenses is going to be there. Now, Adam, what? Speaking of advisors, what? This might be a really obvious question, but what type of advisors can people talk to? to understand this you know fully to get a really complete picture about where their money should go as far as uh, mitigating taxes what type of advisor do people need to be talking to yeah so i mean i, I would say look out for a couple things one you want to make sure that any advisor well the overarching point is i would always advise whoever it is it, it, make sure any advisor you're working with is a fiduciary that's mm -hmm. step one they're not a fiduciary my recommendation would be move on until you find a fiduciary. Assuming they're a fiduciary, um, you know, you want to make sure you're looking for the proper licenses. Obviously, for an, an investment advisor, that's that's a Series 65. Um, so make sure they have the proper accreditation there. Uh, but I, I would say that any advisor that's worth their salt uh, should have a good grasp of these topics that we've touched on today. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're getting into something super unique or super specific then you know it might be helpful to bring in a, a professional tax preparer a CPA someone licensed to work specifically on taxes which you know we are not so as a series 65 advisor that doesn't mean that I'm a professional uh, tax advisor so that might be a situation to look out for uh, but as long as they're a fiduciary that advisor should have a good grasp of at least the things we've talked about here today if they don't that's probably you know as they say there's your sign probably time to look for another another solution yeah the one other thing that i think we always say is ask that person how they're paid so um mm -hmm. there's there's nothing wrong with somebody if you've done your research uh for instance and you want to buy a uh, certain bond there's nothing wrong with going to somebody who simply sells bonds and saying i'd like to buy bonds and they sell you those bonds um understand that that person if if they're simply paid to you know sell you a, uh, a particular thing uh, is going to want you to buy that thing uh, regardless of whether it's it's necessarily what's best for you and so uh, be aware of that um, ask mm -hmm. people how they're paid people should be pretty upfront about it I know uh, when we get that question it's a pretty straightforward answer. And um, it should be for pretty much anyone you talk to, but make sure you get that answer. And, and I would add on to that caveat to the caveat to the caveat. It shouldn't mm -hmm. be hard to understand. Okay, if it's super hard to understand how this how this person is compensated, there's probably a reason for that, right? So right. if you have to sit there and have a flow chart, multiple spreadsheets, and have a calculator in front of you to understand, you know, where's the where's the money coming from that's paying this person? Get on out of there. Anything more on tax-free income in retirement, gentlemen? I think we've covered it. 
if people have questions, obviously, uh, feel free to reach out. Always happy to answer additional questions if we uh, have have confused people or if people have additional <laughs> questions. Um, always happy to try and talk to people and clear things up, give them more information, help them make good decisions. Yeah, this yeah. is by no means a comprehensive list of all the options out there. This is just kind of to get you jump started if you're if you're looking for tax-free income solutions. Uh, but as Michael said, always here to help and uh, hope this has been helpful. All right. Thank you guys as always for your time. We'll see you next time. Bye, Thanks, guys. Jared. See ya. If you have a question for either Michael or Adam concerning this topic or anything else, please visit assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every single episode. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com.